Parker, are you ready to do the damn thing? Yes, sir. Let's do it. That's right, the first and the ever, Mr. Parker. How you doing today, my friend? Good, Britt. Very good. Thanks for having me back on, man. I was uh, really excited when you said you wanted to do this thing again. So uh, thanks for having me. Well, you know, it, it's there's a multi multiple fa- uh, options of, of, of reason why, but really when it comes down to it, it's really fun talking to you. And then I wanted to give you a chance to, you know, talk about all the hard work you've been putting in and it's always fun bringing on a, a, a up-and-coming guy like you not that i'm not also up and, and coming but you know trying to support <laughs> everyone else so parker i'm not gonna introduce you because everyone can go listen to nico collins late night special if they want to see what he's all about which i would suggest to do and based on the listeners it sounds like everyone really liked that episode but i'd be remiss not to take the opportunity to ask another question of the show so what is your dream non-football job? Okay, so the dream non-football job would probably be um, a retired surf instructor and probably either in like the Hawaiian Islands or like uh, the Bahamas or something along those lines. Um, okay. I just, you know, once you get to your dream job point, you should be able to do whatever you want, regardless of, you know, money or whatever. It should be all about just being comfortable and happy. So that's Hell yeah. right there. All right. So we're going to see Parker in about 45 years, completely leather skin and just chilling <laughs> on a surfboard the whole day. I love that. You know, drinking you pina coladas and surfing. There's probably not much better than that, quite frankly. <laughs> so we're going to break into a very brand new segment in this show. And I'm excited to have Parker be the first one to be our test dummy of sorts. So Parker, Are you ready to defend your rankings? Round one, fight. So we're going to kind of give Parker an opportunity to defend why he thinks that ranking deserves to be there compared to consensus. I get to play my favorite role, which is a devil's advocate, giving the opportunity to really just make Parker earn his reasoning for those rankings so parker we have three what is your first ranking so the first spicy ranking that i've been getting a little bit of flack for was michael carter as my rb11 in this class um most people either have him in his top five and or top six and i um i just don't see what other people are seeing with this prospect um especially after his uh pro day along with Javante posting almost identical 40 times and speed, um, speed numbers. I just, um, I was convinced that that was the one edge he had over Javante at that school. Um, to be honest with you, um, Javante's change of direction, his, um, ability to lower his head, his explosiveness, everything was there except for his breakaway speed. And the, um, idea with uh michael was that he was the faster back the scat back a little bit more of the pass catching back could uh, capitalize on larger holes and break bigger plays a little bit more often um so that was the uh, idea behind him and then when numbers came back from his testing day that that is not what was shown within his numbers um you know a four five five um 
uh, unadjusted 40 is not exactly the best thing we want out of a back who's going to be specializing in that area of the field, a uh, third down, uh, big playability, catching the ball, that sort of thing. We want a little bit more quick twitch from him as far as a straight line speed. And then as far as uh, change of direction, I didn't see much there either, to be honest with you. Javante Williams' change of direction was better. Um, you know, a lot of people, again, said that he was a shiftier back, a faster back, this and that. Um, I disagree. I just – his change of direction was not there. It was more of a, a slow down shuffle step and then and then move to, to, to what you want to do uh, kind of a thing. Um, I just didn't see that suddenness. I didn't see that explosion. I didn't see that shove your foot in the ground and get up field with one cut, one step kind of a thing. It was a lot of small steps and uh, a little bit of hesitation and, and just – not as much explosion in his game as I thought, to be honest with you. Um, I think uh, a part of it is that UNC O-line is being a little uh, underrated and a little undercredited as far as uh, both of those gentlemen's success. Um, but I, I don't necessarily want to take anything away from Javante Williams. I think his running style definitely fits the NFL a lot more. Um, and Michael Carter just doesn't as much. Um, I just, like I said, that change of direction, straight line speed not being there. It's just really hard to get on board with a guy who's supposed to make his money on third third down with those specific skills, you know. Um, and some other people would start to argue that his vision was much more elite than most people, even more than uh, Javante out of that backfield. And and to that, I just got to say, I mean, yeah, it was there. Like, I did see some smart um, decisions being made by him, especially when it came to cutbacks. But what, what there's a difference between having – the brain for it and the body rather than just the brain. Okay. You see something, you identify something, you get to it, you get it done, you go, you know what I mean? Um, if you're a, uh, an athlete that has the brain and the body, what to me, he just has the brain to be honest with you. Okay. I, I don't mean to hate on an elite athlete in this way. He is an athlete. Don't get me wrong. He's a very athletic person, but as far as an NFL starting running back, I just don't see what we need from him as far as, you know, his, um, confined role that he chose to play and what he's going to represent when he comes in the league. So I let me, what we, we want from him basically. Yeah. Okay. You, you put up a bunch of very nice points and a bunch of points that help your cause. Right. So I'm going to poke a couple holes in them and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but first as our, uh, as the rookie on the rise, fantasy football officer, a fair rookie staff, we have Javonto or excuse me, Michael Carter currently at, our consensus composite ranking of seven, all right? So quite a big difference. Well, I understand what you're saying. He's, you know, he, he's not going to be the bell cow back, right? He's not going to be a back that's going to be there. He's got vision, but he doesn't really necessarily have the attributes to maximize the potential of the vision, right? However, what's working in Michael Carter's favor is the fact that there's really nobody in this class after Chuba and Sermon and you could maybe throw Jamar in there, but it's kind of hard to tell right now that kind of has that as well. And what he does have is he has a great production profile as well. And so I think 11's it's an interesting ranking. It's certainly fair because he, if he lands himself in a committee, then he will be a great lightning to someone's thunder, right? Just a similar role that he played. I think, I think that's something I want to take into consideration more, but first so what I'm hearing is that you'd rather have Jamar Jefferson, you'd rather have Jarrett Patterson, you'd rather have Kenneth Gainwell, you'd rather have Kylan Hill, Elijah Mitchell, 
Ramondre Stevens and backs like that over Michael Carter. So what makes you see those backs and say, I like, what are they offering that Michael Carter isn't offering for you? Okay. So not all those guys do I prefer Jared Patterson. I do not prefer over him. Um, I think he lacks size explosiveness and real running ability. I think of a lot of his running was based on uh, lack of talent and competition and some other circumstances, but we're not here to attack Jared Patterson. Um, Jared Patterson is not ahead of him. And then I do not have Elijah Mitchell ahead of him either. Um, mainly because of what I saw from them in college. Um, but the other gentleman I do have ahead of them, uh, mainly because of uh, three down potential. Um, and then the other pass catching backs that you mentioned, uh, like Kenneth Gainwell, or Colin Hill, I do have a ahead of them uh, simply because I think they're better backs. I think their change of direction is better. I think they're better at the things necessary to be a pass-catching third down, um, lightning someone thunder type of guy, like you were just saying. I just think they're better at, at those essential tools. Uh, and those tools being, uh, like I said, change of direction, straight line speed, uh, pass-catching ability, um, as far as that. And then um, in college, they had uh, good production profiles as well. You know, so you can't really uh, argue in that direction. And like I said, I don't want to take anything away from Javante Williams, um, but that UNC O-line was very good. So I do think a little bit of um, Michael Carter's production profile can be credited, uh, credited to them rather more so than his uh, overall personal talent or his ability. Yeah. So that's I, I hear you. At, you know? I, I, think, I think that O-line argument is one that's definitely something that's underrated because it's just – not a lot of information to go off of if you are just strictly going by NFL draft capital, but I'm sure they'll be getting that draft capital moving forward. So Michael Carter running back 11. Now, are you knocking him for being a four year player or are you okay with that? Because I mean, his, his profile, he, he was able to keep off, right? Like it's a double edged sword. Javante Williams wasn't able to push Michael Carter out of the backfield Michael Carter was good enough to not let Javante Williams to push him out of the backfield. So you're knocking Michael Carter. And I'm just curious at this point, are, are you also knocking down Javante Williams for similar things such as like, obviously not the same issues, but mainly the O-line issue. Are you kind of downgrading him a little bit because of that? Um, no, not exactly. And I know it seems like a little bit more redundant, but because of the way he made his yardage and made his pay dirt, um it's i'm just much more in on him uh the ability to create yards on your own at the running back position i think is very underrated okay the most popular attribute that most people place on running backs right now because it's such a popular deal is contact balance okay but part of contact balance that's that's a small part of a runner's ability to not only be a physical animal but keep his balance and keep being a physical animal as he moves the ball down the field okay and that's part of Javante Williams game just a small part and the other parts are being violent and um, uh, anticipating well um, let's see taking on half a man when instead of taking on a whole man he's very good at that um, his hard cuts are much more devastating that sort of thing so they leave defenders um, hesitant and then he can therefore address them and run them over a little bit easier, that sort of thing. Um, I just think he's much more of a complete NFL running back. A lot of people, 
you know, make their NFL comps. And I'm not big on player comps. I just think every guy is his own guy, you know. But at the end of the day, I do think uh, a good example of the same type of guy who's made his pay dirt, who didn't, no one thought was going to, was James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson made his pay dirt in the same exact way. He's made his money this past year in the same exact way that I feel Javante is going to come to the league and make his money. He's not going to break off big plays, but he's going to have those 10-yard runs almost every other play because all he does is fight through the middle. He just fights to the soup. Anybody who's in his way within the front seven, he's going to get you out of the way or at least run your ass over for an extra couple yards. So I do think his game, uh, you know, long story short, his game just translates more. It just is much more translatable, okay? And he still had that high-end production um, without – you know, the elite speed or what have you that um, Michael Carter might have had, but okay. still created created those yards in his own way. So that uh, at the end of the day, I value that ability to create your own yardage, that ability um, more than anything at the running running back position. So I'm going to rebuttal real quickly. Right. So Michael Carter had a 2020 season of 7.9 yards per attempt and a career average of 6.6 yards. He had a 4.47 yards after contact per attempt. He saw a breakaway run percentage of 62.7, which for PFF, that's how many 15-yard runs he had or longer. He also was seeing 1.93 yards per route run. So I understand that the offensive line is probably attributing him a couple yards here and there, yard and a half, yards. So, you know, maybe we knock down his his uh, yard per attempt average to uh, six yards, 5.8 yards. But it, it still doesn't necessarily take away what he's done in terms of what he's been given, right? So I, I don't want to go and knock him. I'm not knocking him for doing good on a good offensive line, right? Because he could have do bad. He could have done poorly. Like, uh, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragus, they, they could have done poorly in a good sit or in a better situation, supposedly. And I, I think his pass catching upside will help him in the NFL. So at 11 is interesting. I, I don't hate it. I, it's fun to play devil's advocate because I don't necessarily disagree. Um, but I mean, Hey, that's what we're doing here for the show. So let's move on. Let's go and find a new person to kind of, uh, or to poke the bear and Parker with round two fight all right so for round two of defend your ranking parker is going to break down davis mills the quarterback that caught about eight hours of attention in this cycle due to his outrageously timed pro day so parker please tell me it's not the pro day for you for davis mills why is davis mills your quarterback four Okay, so Davis Mills is an interesting uh, case simply because he was at Stanford rather than any other organ, um, any other, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, program. Uh, most of the, so the interesting thing was the Stanford guys is, is um, you when you accept a scholarship to Stanford, there is a academic prestige behind it that some other um, <clears throat> universities cannot offer. Okay, so it's a little bit more attractive for a guy who's trying to capitalize on the academic side of things when he's in college. Okay, so sometimes they can steal high end athletes or high end prospects that coming out of high school from a USC, from a um, Cal, from a, you know, I mean, from from these D1 schools that are solid schools. Don't get me wrong as far as their, uh, their universities and institutions as far as learning. But Stanford is, is a cut above. 
It's just below the Ivy League, that sort of thing. So my whole point is the allure of bringing certain guys who should belong at higher-end schools does happen there. I think Davis Mills is one of those guys. I think he's one of those prospects who should have gone to a better school, should have been a part of a larger program. And if he had, he would have been much more noticed. Um, okay. Specifically, I heard a, a friend of mine ask me, what do you think would have happened if Mac Jones and Davis Mills had switched place? And I personally think that Davis Mills would have performed to the same level, if not better, than – what Mac Jones displayed at Alabama. Um, now I, I have a lot of reasons for that, so let me get into that. Okay. Well, first, uh, first let me rebuttal. First let me rebuttal. It's not fair to have you have all this steam now, Mister Parker. Oh, I, I, I can't, I can't give you free cake, man. I can't give you free cake. Okay. So, what I'm hearing you say is that you like Davis knows based on the projection that he is going to be, he would have been better at a different school. Unfortunately. He didn't go to a different school, so we don't know if he actually could have been. So what I'm – and there's certainly a place and a time for rookie evaluations like that. I'm not sure quarterback four is the place, right? So we have uh, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, top five, right? right? So let's say we're – and theoretically, we're just going to push aside Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields, right? Personally, I think Mac Jones belongs in there, but that's fine. So then it's – just, it's uh, Trey Lance, it's Davis Mills, it's Jamie Newman, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, right? Now, there's only one name of those guys that played against, excuse me, two names of those guys that played against top-tier competition in teams that were actually good, right? Excuse me, not good, but like against teams that constantly put out pro-style defensive, pro-prototypes pro, of players, like level competition sort of. So you got Jamie Newman at Wake Forest. ACC, not great, but he's also playing in games like Clemson, Notre Dame, people like that. Then you got Kyle Trask playing in Florida. We already know how they play, right? So he's constantly facing defensive, defensive college players that have the skill to be an NFL player. And then you also have uh, Kellen Mond, A&M, similar style. Uh, Trey, Trey Lance, obviously different, right? And then you have Davis Mills against Pac-12. And I know you know, and I know I know, that Pac-12 defenses is kind of like Swiss cheese, right? You got mm -hmm. UW, you got USC, and that's kind of it when it comes to, like, stout defensive teams. I guess you could throw in Utah if you wanted. Utah, yeah. But, like, that's kind of it. And I, I, I'm not a giant strength of schedule opponent. So I, I, I'm struggling to see. Maybe you can help me out here. Where – you see Davis Mills showing as well as are showing so well against a mediocre defense that puts him above a Trey Lance who threw 29, 29 touchdowns and no interceptions or, or Kyle Trask who had a phenomenal senior season at Florida and then got boned in the pro day. So what does Davis Mills showing you to put him above all of those guys? Okay. So the big thing with him is he's actually the, the quintessential pocket passing quarterback in this class. Okay. A lot of people think that Mac Jones might be that guy, but in my opinion, that's Davis Mills. I think he's much better at hanging in the pocket, moving past his first read, uh, making the correct decision. And then also being able to move a little bit after, uh, uh, after the fact with his feet, um, if he doesn't see what he wants, you know what I mean? Um, the big thing, um, that I saw in him was he had a little bit of wiggle like uh, Andrew Luck had. A lot of people thought that Andrew Luck was a little bit deceptively athletic. He could move, you know, um, pretty well uh, um, <clears throat> downfield and uh, had decent speed and, and could, you know, give you a little shake and move a defender every now and then, but was nothing special. Uh, that's what I see in Davis Mills. I, I don't see Andrew Luck, okay? I'm just saying I see Andrew Luck's feet. 
and then good decision making in the pocket. Okay. Now, um, that's why I kind of have them over Mac Jones. I know you're big on Mac Jones, but I just don't see Mac Jones making it past his first read very often or his second read very often simply because he doesn't have to. He's not in a first read offense. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not over at Clemson in a first read offense. Alabama runs a multi read offense. But he had such good receivers that he never had to make it past his first or second read. So, whereas Davis Mills, I just, I mean, Simi Fajoko was his best wide receiver. I just don't see him being carried by anyone at all. I just, Davis Mills spread the ball around. He got, he threw in tight windows. I just saw a lot of things that I thought I was going to see from Mac Jones. I saw it in Davis Mills. Um, again, that quintessential pocket passer, standing strong, standing tall in the pocket, being confident there, sliding around and making movement and creating extra time for yourself while keeping your eyes downfield. He's extremely good at that. Um, his release is quick twitch. It's very compact. It does not leave the ball exposed to oncoming rushers, which is a big deal to me. Um, you know, again, like I said, his decision making is there. He constantly made it past his first read. Um, they were not, they're a multi-read offense, pro-style offense, so he's very comfortable in that already. Again, I just saw a lot of things I liked and expected more out of for Mac Jones out of him. So, I again, I, I know I made that weird comp, like if they had switched shoes, he would have done better, that sort of thing. I just think he would have at least done the same, if not better. And I, okay. I know that, you know, things behind that. But And then um, to go with what a lot of people have a problem with is that he's ahead of Trey Lance. That's the biggest thing. And your argument there could be, okay, the rushing upside, you know, the rushing upside. Um, and then, you know, the argument you brought up was the quality of play. Well, the two things with Trey Lance is his rushing upside is great. Don't get me wrong, but he ran the ball way too much, in my opinion. I think there were times when there were games when he was running the ball 20-plus times and he only threw the ball 10, 15 times. That is not what we want from a quarterback, especially at the college level. A lot of people are like, oh, well, that's what Lamar does. That's what Lamar does. Well, go back and look at what Lamar did in college. He blew it up on both ends of the spectrum with his legs and his arm. He showed how explosive of a passer he was. I really don't think that Trey Lance is that explosive of a passer. I think he's a very conservative passer, actually. I think okay. if he doesn't make it past his first read, then he tucks and runs the ball. I think that they run a lot of run action. They run the ball a lot, and they draw defenses in. Yes, his um, yards per attempt are very large, but that's because of scheme. I think they draw defenses in a lot with the run, um, lull and sleep and bring safeties in, and then hit them deep with a, a tight end play action uh, scheme down the seam. Or, or you know, And most of the time, the only time he's hitting these deep ball receivers is when they're wide open. He's afraid to put it in small windows. So, and if there is a small window to put it in, he'd rather tuck it and run it because he trusts his legs more than he trusts his arm. So, so again, I'm, I'd rather have the true quarterback out of that and okay. somebody who trusts his arm and not his legs rather than the other way around. So that's kind of where I'm at with those two guys being right behind Davis Mills. So Okay, I, I hear that. It, that smells to me more of a pro evaluation than a fantasy evaluation, right? Because we can't discount necessarily the, the rushing upside, the, the, the good old Konami code. So I'm looking at Davis Mills' numbers because, quite frankly, I, I'm not that well-versed with what he's been able to offer, right? So 2019, through for 1,954 yards, five interceptions, 11 touchdowns. 2020, through through 1500 yards, seven interception, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, only on five games. So that's a, that's a very nice pace, right? That's a pace of what's math there, three 3500 yards in a regular 12 
14 season game mm-hmm. or 12, 14 game season. So, you know, Davis Mills is, is, I guess he's, he's got that right. I just, t- to take him over Trey Lance and a strictly fantasy spectrum is, is essentially betting that Trey Lance is going to bust, right? When, if you had to pick a quarterback that's going to bust, I think that's a fair bet to hedge your bets. It's a safe bet. Uh, it's, it's discounting his, his floor necessarily, but it, it's okay. I think for me, my biggest issue is that you are discounting or you're discounting Mac Jones when he was able to do in Alabama. He had a full season of just throwing to Devonta Smith and then a bunch of people that aren't going to be like round one wide receiver talents. Right. And then you're pro pro rating Davis Mills for not throwing to any NFL talent. I think, which is, there's no argument there. And what he's been able to do in 2020 season is great. I just, I think my issue, my rebuttal to you mainly is, is that it seems that we are projecting him a little too much as what he could have done than what he actually did. But it, it's not a bad process. It just opens you up. You're more susceptible to having this uh, ranking kind of bite you in the ass moving forward because now you kind of have to lean on what could have been instead of what was actually done. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that but makes sense. Draft capital wise, that's going to be a big one, right? A pretty big one draft capital where we're going and how we're going to go. So if Davis Mills gets drafted in the sixth round and Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, Newman and Mond get drafted in rounds three to five, are you still keeping these the same? Or are you going to kind of move him back a little bit? No, I mean, obviously, you definitely have to adjust that. You'd be dumb not to. Uh, the main reason with that is because at quarterback, if you don't get draft capital from second or maybe the third, if you want to, you know, if you don't get second round draft capital or higher, you're definitely not going to get a shot um, unless you earn it. Okay. So you, you have a forced shot. You have a, uh, when you, when the team invests that kind of draft capital in you, you have a shot almost guaranteed. I guarantee you Jordan Love over at in Green Bay will eventually get a shot because of what uh, Green Bay spent on him. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be this week. It may not be, you know, it depends on Green Bay or it depends on Aaron Rodgers. But but at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> I just uh, – Jordan Love is still going to end up with a shot. So, you know, to your point, if Davis Mills doesn't get, you know, that first or second round capital, he may may never get that shot. Um, so yeah, I definitely would move him down if he ends up in the fifth or sixth round. Um, but I do think he's going to end up in the second round, early second round. And I do think he'll definitely get a shot at a, a starting right. position or at least like moving into the spot. Hey, so. as long as you're willing to admit you're willing to move him, that's enough for me. Right. No, yeah, I mean, these definitely. Are, these are pre-draft rankings, right? Like that's why I was telling you before the show. I was like, "Hey, listen, we got to get this out right now. Like we're part of the the pre-draft rally. We're getting four shows in four days. By the way, folks, you're going to show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's four shows, four days, just before the draft. Because quite frankly, if you're recording now and then you drop after the draft, you done fucked up. That's just how this works. Okay, Parker. Final round. Fight. This is the money round. This is what I'm even waiting for. This is the knockout round, the TKO round. I don't even want to say it. It leaves that old man stench and smell and taste in my mouth. So what do you got, Parker? What is your defend your rank round three? All right. So the big one that everybody hates that I tell them when it comes up is uh, Trevor Lawrence is my quarterback three in this class. Woo! All right. <laughs> State your ground, my man. State your ground. 
Okay, so the biggest one with that is um, the two quarterbacks I have over him, I'll just be up front with it, is uh, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, okay? And with those two, it's a little bit easier for me to fight for Justin Fields. Essentially, uh, I'll start with him. Uh, the long ball is there, the accuracy with the long ball, the consistency with the long ball, that upside is undeniable, okay? And then when it comes down to it, uh, this is the fastest man out of the quarterback class as well. So the upside is undeniable there. And um, not only that, but he's a smart runner. He's a very uh, cerebral runner. He's not stupid about it. Uh, Justin Fields doesn't just tuck the ball and run just to go and run because he knows he can. He stays in the pocket. He uses that as his third or his fourth read rather than his second read off of his first. And speaking of reads, a lot of people hate on him for not being able to make it past his first read. I'm not sure where that came from. Uh, that's pretty asinine, to be honest with you. Same thing they actually... did to Deshaun Watson. Same thing they did to yeah. Lamar Jackson. It, exactly. At this point, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It's probably a fucking duck. It's just people I don't, that are yeah, dickheads. I, it's just wrong, to be honest. It is with wrong. You. But it's, um, it's just he's. It's not true. He he makes it past his first read more so than almost any quarterback in this entire class, and he does it well. He makes the right so, decision. Parker, what I'm hearing is, is you like Justin Fields, but that's not what we're discussing here, my man. That's, that's okay. You like Fields and listen, that's fine. I'm not going to push on that. That's your feelings. What I want to hear, what the audience wants to hear is what you don't like from Lawrence so much. You drop him behind the Mormon deity, Zach Wilson. So So, why, why, why Lawrence at three? That's what we're here for. That's the juice. What do we got? So that's the solidified Justin at one. And the reason why I have him over Lawrence is because Lawrence can't approach a lot of those qualities. He doesn't okay. have the accuracy down on the long ball. Um, okay. I didn't mean to be counterproductive there. I apologize. I'm just, just trying to lay out exactly. You're the fine. You're fine. But so the long ball accuracy is just not there with Trevor Lawrence. Okay. With that first read offense that he was in, um, it actually limited him and his abilities and his ability to progress as a passer throughout his college career. Okay. Um, being in a first read offense obviously limits you to that first read majority of plays four out of five plays typically you'll throw to that first read or you'll make that first read decision it'll be there you'll do that and it'll just move on to the next play um and now this helps the quarterback a lot at the college level but it hurts him even more when he makes the transition to the next level okay so the biggest thing that i didn't see with him was him making it past his first read effectively hitting that long ball accurately because he throws so many short passes um because of the first read offense you know your first read can't be a long ball that's not a first read route okay so that's just not a route he commonly threw um and then on top of that his feet are great don't get me wrong he's a very underrated as a runner I think he's um, got long strides. He's very good form. He runs the ball well. His change direction is not that great, and he does not have that much straight line speed. He doesn't jump off the page, okay? The reason why – so here's the the dicey one. The reason why I have Zach Wilson above him is mainly due to one attribute that Zach Wilson has that uh, Trevor Lawrence doesn't. And the big one is it's very Patrick Mahomes-esque. It's the ability to avoid, avoid a pass rush and keep your eyes downfield. Again, it goes back to Trevor Lawrence's lack of experience of progressing through a play and progressing through his reads, i.e. a play lasting longer for Trevor Lawrence and him having to create more time and space for himself and keep his eyes downfield. He just simply didn't have to do that. A lot of quarterbacks aren't great at these certain skills because they weren't asked to do them as often in college as other quarterbacks. Zach Wilson had to. He had an average O-line. And average wide receivers who took longer than most receivers to get open. 
So he had to create and uh, escape the pocket, um, keep his eyes downfield, and cre um, create this sense of awareness every single play that Trevor Lawrence just didn't really have to deal with because he had a sense of comfortability. Um, I just think Zach Wilson has the ar arm talent. Um, he Again, the deep ball is there. He's uh, much more advanced on his deep ball mechanics, accuracy, and um, uh, power than – uh trevor lawrence is and i like his release a lot better i think zach wilson has probably the best release in this entire class it's extremely compact it's very short it does not expose the ball to oncoming defenders and um he's extremely powerful with his with his ball he has a cannon um so based so i just uh i really like a lot of things that fantasy quarterbacks are supposed to be good at more than what trevor lawrence is good at from okay. Zach Wilson. So what you're saying, what you're saying is, is that Trevor Lawrence is no knocks against him pro wise, but fantasy wise, he may not have the output similar to Fields and Wilson. And it's kind of, so you're you're kind of projecting exactly. the ceiling. Uh, exactly. I did look because I was curious about who had the longest amount of time in the pocket. Trevor Lawrence, according to PFF, averaged 2.45 uh, for a total time in the pocket before a rush. Their little stat is like TTT, like average time to throw. Zach Wilson averaged 2.89 seconds, right? So both below, both below the two and a half second, three second threshold in the NFL. Um, but I think that also kind of, <clears throat> that goes to your, your argument where Zach Wilson was able to be more elusive and so buying more time to throw, right? So it kind of yeah. actually helps your argument a little bit. So I just shot myself in the foot, fuck. But <laughs> I think I think the big thing for me is Trevor Lawrence was able to elevate his his Clemson team, which was Etienne and Rodgers, and that's essentially all he had. So he was able to be more efficient, throw for like career yardage and all these things with probably the least amount of weapons he's had given his NFL career. And I, I, I like that when I'm looking for a rookie because I want a player to elevate, right? Zach Wilson clearly did too. Justin Fields obviously did too but not necessarily to the level that Trevor Lawrence did. So I think I'm going to let you have the last word here because this is probably the, my favorite take you have. Uh, so laid out really quickly in one or two quick sentences, why Trevor Lawrence, as a summary, wrap it up, why is he quarterback three? So the other two gentlemen just have more upside. They just have more fantasy relevance. I want um, – Okay, so the, the NFL as a whole drafts the best quarterback for an NFL team. We draft the best quarterback for an NFL fantasy football team, not for an NFL team, okay? We want the best fantasy asset. I simply think that the other two are better fantasy assets than Trevor Lawrence. I think they have higher ceilings, higher floors because of their legs, and just at the end of the day, I think we're going to get more points out of them than we are out of Trevor Lawrence. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Parker O'Hauser. I think I nailed that. I don't think I did. I don't really know. I don't know why I keep trying. I always Ohio. fuck it up. O'Hauser. It's all good. O'Hauser. So easy. You. I fuck it up every time. Uh, <laughs> do you have, you know what? Actually, I'm not going to ask for a hot take because Lawrence at three is the quintessential perfect way to wrap this up. So, Parker, I want to give you a couple minutes real quickly, work on what, or to talk about what you've been working on, but you've been really putting all this hard work into before we wrap up the show, right? So, this is your time, your floor. You got to lay it out. What is Apex Fantasy Football? What have you been working on? Okay, so uh, also we're at Apex. Uh, Apex is actually a brainchild of Mikey Brody and Asher Mulk, um, gentlemen who've been in the industry for some time now. 
Um, and uh, they host some leagues over there and we have a lot of content. You know, it's a great site, even for people who aren't uh, into fantasy. We just have a lot of information on your favorite players, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, it's just a great site with a lot of uh, stats based guys. They're very heavy on the stats, the numbers, you know, and uh, they brought me in because uh, they didn't have anybody who, as far as a uh, film, um, they wanted a little bit more context and perspective to all the numbers. They wanted a little bit more um, of a human element and, you know, what, what we actually see from these guys. And again, putting it into context on what we see from some of these numbers, that way we can make more sense of the numbers themselves and what they mean. So that's kind of what we're about over there. And uh, we put that into practice and a uh, big, big piece of work that we just put out the dynasty rookie draft guide that we just came out with um, for this coming class. And I'm uh, pretty proud of it. Um, a third of it is going to be my contributions as far as film analysis and breakdowns of almost every single re uh, fantasy relevant player in this class, uh, which I'm pretty proud of and worked uh, for several months on, um, put lots of hours into. Um, and then, uh, um, Mikey Brody and Dalton Cates will also have their detailed uh, rankings as well um, and their analysis of each player more from a, uh, like I said, a statistical um, and analytical standpoint rather than a film standpoint. Uh, those gentlemen just know what to look for as far as numbers a lot more than I do. Still learning um, in that area quite a bit and what it all means. Um, but yeah, they're definitely a great resource to go to if you want to put both the film and the analytical world together. We got what you need. You can definitely do that. And uh, if you there, don't, folks. yeah, definitely. And uh, if you don't even want it for, uh, like I said, you don't need it for fantasy for purposes, you can just grab it just to see who your favorite uh, players are being taken, where they're going, who they are. And or if you don't know the players, then you can, and you have a team, you can see who your team's taking and you can enjoy it. You know, like, who's this guy? What's he about? How's he going to affect uh, the Seahawks? What's he going to do for us? Is he going to run the ball well? What role is he going to play for us? That sort of thing. All that's in the film breakdowns and the uh, analysis breakdowns in our guide. So I appreciate you pandering to my Seahawks. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so folks, a multifaceted approach to a very wide range and reach of rookie players not just fantasy football related parker i appreciate your time man i'm gonna go and put the link to the apex uh, drafting guide into the description below so make sure you click on that and check it out i, I know parker put in a ton of work i hope you got some reward for it because man that is a lot and i'm really happy to have you on again man real quickly where can the people find you and then we'll wrap it on up all right so i'm over at twitter at parker james ff um clubhouse parker james ff and uh, those are really the only platforms I'm on right now. I'm kind of an old school guy. So if you want to interact with me, you're more than welcome. DM me, uh, message me, whatever you got to do. Um, you know, I'm very open book. I, uh, like I said, uh, my big thing is I like to learn more, everything I can, and then uh, teach others. And kind of just a collaborative environment is great for me. And that's exactly what this is here. So I'm all about this industry. I know I'm still new, but I'm loving it. So. All right, uh, Parker. Thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure to Definitely. have you on. Can't wait to get you on again. I'm sure it'll happen. Folks, you know where you can find me uh, on Twitter at the FF Sandman. Fantasy football articles. Dynasty's going to be fffair.com. Debbie's going to be breakoutfinder.com. If we're going to go into Debbie film, down, film breaking down, I'm the metrics portion of the Debbie deep dive on YouTube. Please leave this show rate, review, and a comment. If you do all three, send me, Eric, or Brad a screenshot with a question into our dms and we will answer it on the next show folks thank you so much i appreciate it that's the show
Peace. See ya.